Good morning, church. It's so good to be here and see you all this morning. Um, so today, as um, Michelle said, we are going to continue. Well, it's the last session of our series um, about eating with Jesus. And uh, we talked about how important and, and um, is um, eating in different cultures, in Jewish culture, and also in our um, contemporary culture, eating is also as important because it indicates um, um, covenant, it indicates friendship, it indicates hospitality, and um, we all love eating basically. Um, and just a reminder for you, because this is the last session, I just want to remind you about our previous sessions where Andy talked about um, eating with um, weak and hypocrites and um, six and um, he just reminded us that um, Jesus liked, liked to hang out with people who are in need, who are um, weak, who are um, not righteous basically. Um, Jesus is all for those people and um, and also he raised a very important question that how much are we willing to go to him in the time of need. And then Jepson, the next week after Jepson talked about feeding the 5,000 and he mentioned that um, um, God really doesn't need our help. He can do everything himself, but um, he likes this kind of like partnership with us. He loves to see, um, he loves to work through us basically. And lastly, Bruno last week um, talked about the act of worship. Um, he said that we, by putting um, everything that we have at the feet of Jesus, basically we are worshiping him. And, um, and we are an example for him, to, um, of him, to glorify his name in our workplace, uh, in our families, with our friends, with our colleagues. And... Um, in our community, and we have to seize every opportunity um, to turn it to an act of worship, basically. And the passage that we are going, um, going to read together today basically encapsulates all these points, um, and I will go back to them um, later. But before I, I, um, I get to all of that, I would like to make a confession. Um, when I ask to, to share this word with you from chapter 21, um, verse 1 to 14, I was a little bit skeptical because I really didn't know what to talk about. I, I, I've read this passage quite, quite, um, quite a lot, actually, um, but I've never paid attention to the, to the significance of this chapter, of this passage. Um, I usually used to um, jump to the next bit, which... Um, um, Jesus basically asking Peter if you love me and Jesus as basically um, uh, Peter affirms his love for Jesus three times after three denial and um, that's that's very exciting isn't it I mean that's that's the point that I really enjoyed to read and I never really pay attention to the first bit of the chapter um, so I totally overlook of, the, of its importance um, but sharing this message today um, first of all is an eye-opener for me, and I'm grateful to God for his words, and um, this opportunity, basically. Um, as Andy said in the first week, we have to read this, these stories, we have to reflect on them, and they're living word of God, and every verse is for a purpose. Um, and each story tells us about the character of 
God, um, a merciful and gracious God. I'd like to pray now. Um, Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that um, you work in us. Thank you that by reading your word, we get to know you. And you, have, you gave, gave this opportunity to us, Lord, to know you. And you are present here. And you are within us and working within us. I pray for every one of us here, Lord, that today we go out with a new new perspective of you, of knowing your truth, that you work, you work in us and open our eyes to your truth. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Merciful God. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Have mercy on, on me, Lord, a sinner. And let me walk humbly in front of you. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Right. Shall we read the passage together? Um, I'll, be reading, I'll be reading from John uh, 21, verse 1 to 14, ESV version. And the scripture should be on the screen if you haven't got a Bible to turn into. Um, I'm sorry, it's a little bit small, um, but just bear with me. I'll, I, will, I, will, I will read for you. And also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to many verses today, because I think they, they help to understand this, this passage. Um, just, just bear with me. You don't have to turn to those verses. They will be on the screen. Right. Um, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas Colton Twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They said to him. They answered, answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to hold it in. Because of the quantity of fish, the disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on, put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciple came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got on, out on, on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Peter, Simon Peter went abroad, went aboard and hauled the nets ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now no one of the disciples dare ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus come, came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Um, 
just to give you a bit of introduction, chapter 21 is a little bit strange in the sense that in chapter 20, um, John basically concludes his book, basically, the Gospel. Um, when we look, we say that we, we expect that, Jesus, uh, that, that John finish at chapter 20. But yet John continues in chapter 21. Um, this is how ch chapter 20 basically finishes. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It's a perfect conclusion, isn't it? It's like, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm done with the book. It's, it's finished. I've told you everything that I needed to tell you. Um, however, as, as I mentioned, there is a significance in chapter 21, as if John, um, it, it seems that the Holy Spirit is kind of like pushing John to write this, this event that is happening, and, and, and after this conclusion, basically, just continue writing in chapter 21. So this shows the importance of chapter 21, I think. This chapter, which is the chapter 21, is now exploring ongoing mission of Jesus' disciples in the world and it's all about restoration and relationship and calling it is started with after this well it means that after resurrection when jesus appeared to um jesus mary and to the disciples and the whole drama of it thomas um, um revealed himself jesus to disciples th for the third time now and um, and it is it, he revealed himself in um, basically by the Sea of Tiberias, which is the same the same as, as Galilee, the same of Galilee, basically the Sea of Galilee. Um, and in this scene, the seven disciples are together at the Sea of Galilee. And you wonder why they are there because they were in Jerusalem a week before, and now they just decided to go to Galilee. And you might ask why why why. Um, are they there? Um, well, because Jesus said so. So Jesus, in Matthew 28, um, if we read from verse 7 to 10, we see just Jesus um, after resurrection, an angel of the Lord says to Mary uh, Magdalene and the other Mary uh, that Jesus has reason. Then he tells them, go and tell the disciples that he has reason from dead and he's going before you to Galilee. Um, there you will see him. And in verse 10 says, again appears to them and says to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell to my brother, go, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. So they were in Galilee in an act of obedience when they... Right, I have a few points here to, to, to share with you, um, but I'm going to ask this point in a, shape of, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a shape of questions, basically. So I have three questions to ask you. And the first one is, do we trust in our own human ability and wisdom, or do we follow what God has planned for us? So Simon seems to be a little bit impatient. So Simon is at the sea, is by the sea basically, and waiting and waiting, and probably he's a little bit bored, or maybe he thinks um, maybe we're hungry, or our families um, they, they need they need they need money. We have to go for fishing, maybe I don't know what the reason is actually, but he decides to go fishing. 
he decided to go fishing and he says to the to other disciples I'm I'm going fishing and this they also say to them to him well we will go with you and it's interesting that Simon Peter with all his flaws and failures is still acting as a leader here and functioning as a leader among disciples um, they were very much influenced um, by Peter and we, we all influence people around us, don't we? In some way, we all influence people around us. And it is important um, to make sure to influence people in the right direction. I'm not sure what Simon did was an act of um, just just being impatient or, or, or um, I'm not sure what the reason was, but um, he basically leads lead them to the to this kind of like okay let's let's stop waiting for the Lord let's go fishing. Well, they went out, got in the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Well, that's embarrassing, really embarrassing, because they are professional fishermen. Um, they know the sea like the back of their hands, and um, they're absolutely fruitless. They're absolutely fruitless. All night out, working hard, they cut nothing. They're confused, they're tired, they're frustrated, discouraged. All night out, cut nothing. What they didn't know was that Jesus was about 100 yards away. Sometimes we are so involved in our daily um, routines and daily circumstances that we can't see or feel God's presence. We look, but we can't see. Enemy doesn't want us to see. He just wants us to occupy with these things in the world. He just wants us to rely on um, our own abilities and um, wisdom. He wants us to be fruitless. Uh, uh, fruitless. He wants us to be in a position of um, frustration and desperation. He wants us to be further and further away from Jesus. That's his plan. That's what he wants. He just makes us busy with things around us. Jesus is here, but we can't see him. And this sin of fishing and the boat and cutting nothing and all these things is kind of like a deja vu of something that's happened earlier in the in the disciples' life. It's like a, they, they've, they've already had experienced this 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 sin basically. In Luke chapter five, verse four to eleven, it's a similar story. Um, both time, God lets people fish unsuccessfully all night to teach them that about apart from Him. Him, they can't do nothing. I want to um, to read from John chapter 15, verse 4 to 5. It says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. We don't want just to do things, but we need to be directed by God um, and led by him and empowered by him and abide in him. He's the one with the plan, isn't he? So what would, what would it look like in your life to be abiding in Christ? It's a question that is worth um, reflecting on and think about. 
Now Jesus on the shore, um, he calls out to them and he addresses them as children. Well, children probably means like fellows or mates or friends, probably. And um, he says, Jesus, um, he says, children, do you have any fish? So, if you pay attention, it, it is not a moment of success that Jesus is approaching to the disciples, is it? It's a moment where they are tired and weary. And the, the disciples, they, they, they don't know that it is Jesus. They were so busy with fishing. And things going in their life, um, the eyes are completely blocked. I just want to tell you a story about, um, um, about myself during the lockdown when we had like a, a live streaming kind of like service here in this place. Um, I think it was a Sunday, if I can recall it correctly. We were here and we finished the service. Now um, I was serving probably with the camera and stuff. Um, we were going out and this family um, who were, who looked really quite poor and um, I think they were immigrants. They came and approached us and say, do you have any food? They came to me first because I was at the door. They said, do you have any food? Um, because we heard that um, there's a food bank here. Um, with a really broken English, it was hard to understand. And, and I said, um, yes, there's a food bank here, but we give out food on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and you have to bring a, a kind of like a, a ticket or something, that, so you'll be able to get food. Um, I was all busy with thinking about the um, um, that, that I, can't, I can't give you food. Everything has to be uh, written down. Everything has to be in, um, in order. It is not Tuesday. It is not Thursday. I said, sorry, I, I can't help you. You can't come back on Tuesday. Um, Manuela was next to me. She said, oh, let, let me put something in the bag and I'll give you some food. And I said, all right, but, but uh, what about what about what about all those writings? And um, we can't we can't just give out. And and she said, yes, yes. Well, well, it's fine. I, I put things together. I said, okay, Manuela is a leader. She's fine. She probably will find. I'm I will I, I'm I'm not going to do it. I have to tell you that night I was a bit troubled. I I remembered his this man's eyes. Um, Tearful, he, he was tearful, and um, then that that was when I saw Jesus in his eyes, and I and I just I just I was I was I was praying and I say, Lord, um, forgive me, I'm a sinner, um, and um, thank you that reminded me about this, and He reminded me um, that um, who. Whatever you do for these, you are doing for me. Um, and I, I thought, oh gosh, that was opportunity I missed. But that was a good lesson for me. That was a very, very, very important lesson for me. Sometimes we are so busy with these things, we don't see Jesus. We don't see. We just have to be uh, more conscious about it. And the disciples were more, most effective um, in the world when their focus was not on the work they were doing, but simply listening to Jesus and obeying him. If, if Jesus says, you have to go to Manchester, you have to go. If, if you are clearly hearing from him, um, you think, okay, um, it might not make sense for me now, but I will obey because I know 
the place that you put me is the safest and the best place that it can be. Um, that that's when you truly see him at work in your life. So Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered, no. Again, very embarrassing. I'm sorry for them, really. It's just so hard to say no when, when you are a professional fisherman. I just, it's just terrible. <laughs> Jesus told them, right, with certainty, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some, so they cast it. I mean, how big is a fishing boat? Well, our, fishing, our fish are really that smart that they know where to hang out and to hang out on the right side of the boat so they don't, it doesn't make any sense, does it? That's a nice cartoon there, yes. <laughs> but it captures the actual moment. I mean, I mean, I mean you think, well, it, it, what you're saying doesn't make any sense, Jesus. But uh, I obey you. I'll obey you because I know that you know everything. Drop it on the other side means obey me and I will obey you, even, even though it doesn't make any sense. So they did it. They cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the, because of the quantity of fish. This is a lesson for disciples that they have to follow Jesus' direction. They need to do it God's way, not their own way. And Jesus always knows how to fish, doesn't he? This is the second time. So Jesus fills, filled the net with fish. And as he does it, he, he will provide opportunity to catch lost souls. This is what he, promised, um, what, what he promised them, basically, in the very beginning of his ministry, um, when he invites them to follow him, in the same kind of like um, scenario. In Luke 5, um, 10, verse 10, he says, Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. The disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. I had a conversation with Jefferson another day, and he brought a really good point about this disciple whom Jesus loved. I would like to share with you, because I think it is very important, it opened my eyes, and I think um, some of you would, would, would appreciate it as well. Um, John keeps saying, um, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And it is, it is kind of like, you think that Jesus kind of like favored John, or there's a favorism here. But the truth is that John is so conscious about the love that Jesus has for him, that he wants to say it out loud every time. Jesus loves John as much as he loves you and you and me and all of us. But he's so, so overwhelmed and so um, amazed with this love. He wants to just say it. He just wants to say, yes, I'm John who Jesus loved. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me and Jesus loves all of us the same. It's nice to, um, to say it loud sometimes. Just to acknowledge it, that Jesus loves us. All right. Um, so John says, it is the Lord. And can you realize that when you're in the lowest time, it seems that you can hear his voice the most clear. Or sometimes we are in our lowest, uh, lowest point and we can't hear or see Jesus, but a close Christian friend could point Jesus out to us. 
Or we could be that good friend to someone else, can't we? And as Andy mentioned in the first week, Jesus likes to hang out with the weak and the broken. Jesus meets with the disciples in the points of need. Now my second um, question. How excited are we for God? When, Je- when John tell- tells Peter, this is the Lord, what did Peter do? He's so filled with excitement and zeal to get to Jesus quickly as he can. He sees a miracle which made him to leave his fishing lesson in the first place many years ago, two, three years ago. Peter isn't interested in a massive cache of fish anymore. And he immediately jumps overboard to reach and to get to Jesus. We read, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. Sometimes in our excitement, we might do something rather crazy, something rather um, unconventional. Do something that it doesn't make for other people. It doesn't make any sense for other people. But but it is a heart. It is a heart that should be full of love for Jesus. And what people Peter wants to do was just to be with Jesus. He had many flaws and weaknesses, but he was willing to make Jesus his love of life. And I, and I say, whatever your weaknesses are, no matter how you, your failures, don't let that make, dif, um, make you distance from Jesus. But let it be an occasion of running to him like Peter. Um, when I moved to this country, I was a mess. I, I was um, out, of, out of the marriage and I was, I was broken and I was a mess. And... Um, a friend of mine who was a Christian um, encouraged me to uh, to go to church. He he just talked, just every now and then he phoned me and said um, some stuff about Christianity. And then he said there is a nice church here in the Colindale. Why don't you go? He wasn't part of this church. He just googled and found found this this place and he encouraged me to go. And after about a year, I decided to go. Really, um, and. Um, and I said to him, look, um, I'm in a really bad situation, a really bad position in my life, and I, I don't want to go to God just because I need him. I just want to go to God because I just want to go and, and um, um, just, just, um, just worship him and praise him, and not just because I need him. That's not fair to God. That's what I said. It's not fair. I, I don't want to go there. No. But he said, look, this is exactly the time that you need to go to God. And six years ago, I got baptized in the very right that corner. I got baptized. And I shared this testimony with, with the congregation. Well, um, and I'm, I'm, I, th- I think this, this is, it was a powerful moment for me. Because I realized that God is looking for weak um, and broken. Right. When they got out of out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. This might have reminded them of the feeding um, of, of feeding of the five thousand or four thousand, or maybe just um, to get some memories of eating with Jesus. 
Jesus has prepared um, fish um, and bread. And in, interestingly, the last time, the last time we saw uh, fire on coals, um, it was the scene of Peter's denial. Jesus had told disciples on that night that he was betrayed, um, that he was about to be betrayed. Sorry. And to Peter was this is this is this is um, uh, he couldn't bear this this um, what what Jesus said. He boasted that he would never deny Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember what Peter said? In Mark 14, um, verse 29, Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And yet he went on to deny Jesus three times. When he denied the Lord the third time, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. I wonder about that look. Have you thought about it? I'm sure he wasn't condescending or surprised. It wasn't like, didn't I tell you type of look, was it? I'm sure it was full of love and mercy. That I know you from your mother's womb. I know your past, your future, your inside and outside. And I love you. You can be doing solidly with God. You can go strongly with him. And there are some circumstances that come along the way and draws you away at some point and move you down to a path that it isn't the correct one. That's not what, and it's not that Jesus is ever surprised by that. No, he's not surprised at my weaknesses because it is in my weaknesses that he lifts me up and empowers me with his spirit. And this is, this is why we say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And now, what was the sin of the denial? Now it's a sin of restoration. And Jesus invites them in this chapter. He says that bring some, some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. Peter didn't just bring some of the fish, he brought the whole catch. 153 large fish. Can you imagine how heavy is that net? It's quite heavy, isn't it? 153 large fish. But Peter brought everything he had. He put everything at the feet of Jesus. As Bruno reminded us last week, worship is an action. Like that woman in Matthew 26, who poured the whole alabaster flask of um, that expensive um, ointment, Peter took his opportunity to give Jesus everything he had. Of course, Jesus provided for them and added to what he, he, he had given them. But we give from the increase um, because we only give back what we have received, isn't it? Jepson mentioned that God can do everything on his own, but he likes to work through us. He likes this partnership with us. And then we read, And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus kept his net from breaking to teach the disciples that if you trust me, if you abide in me, you bear much fruit, and your fruit will remain. And for those lost souls, in the net there is a promise. 
It says, if you abide in Him, abide in Him, the net of salvation will never break. Never. It is, says, it is said so in these verses, John 6, 39 to 40. He says, and this is the will of Him who sends me, that I should lose nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up um, on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. That reminds me of that, that verse in Romans that says, Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things, presence, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, not anything else in all creation able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Which brings me to the last question or last point. Are we willing to say yes to God? Jesus, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Here we are at the scene of, at the welcoming scene. Come and have breakfast. It is an invitation to sit down and have fellowship with him. To have a meal with him. Now, no, none of the disciples um, there ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciple after he was raised from the dead. Peter had denied Jesus, Thomas had doubted him, and Nathaniel had deserted him. But Jesus dealt gently with Peter's three denials and recommissioned him in partnership with him. Jesus is so gracious. Rather than dis discipline them, he blesses them. He comforts them and serves them. He draws them in with um, his goodness and grace. He will. He, he, he deals with our, our past failures gently too. But he also commands us to trust in his resurrection victory and expect great success as we go. Jesus, the author of the universe, risen from dead, saying to his friend, come and have breakfast. Our God is so life-affirming and fun, isn't he? Yes. In the second point, I spoke about um, an act of giving when Peter brought the whole catch for Jesus. But I would like to point out that an act of receiving is also as important. Are you tired and worn out trying to do things all on your own? He says to you, come. I will give you rest. Are you willing to take this opportunity? This is my question. Are you willing to accept his invitation? He says, come eat with me. Let me serve you. He is the almighty God. He's humbling himself. He's saying, come, I will serve you. Stay close. Just stay close to me. Things will go well. I have plans for you. I have plans for you prosper, to prosper you. Plans to give you hope and future. As you stay closely connected to me. Abide in me. Just abide in me. And I will abide in you. To bring this message to close, 
um, this verse speaks of resurrection and uh, restoration and calling. It speaks about how Jesus calls us and how we should accept his invitation and should come excitedly with all we have. Um, just as Peter did, it speaks of um, we should abide in Christ and how we should follow his plan. It also speaks of his unwavering salvation and how we will find rest in Jesus. Right. I'd like to request the band up as well. Um, and I'm just going to pray. Um, um, and there is a time to respond. So if you want to come in front, um, I will be more than happy to pray for you if, if, if um, of any of these um, things that I mentioned. Um, yeah. yeah, Father God, thank you. Thank you that you have given us this gift of salvation. Thank you that you are a gracious God. Thank you that you are so merciful. You are so life-affirming. Thank you that with you, Lord, we, have to, we don't have to be worried about anything. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, that you, in you we have freedom. That nothing can separate us, separate us from your love, Lord. Yeah, Lord, I, I pray for every, every one of us, Lord, here. That you just open our eyes to understand this truth, Lord. That we can always trust you and you always provide and you always put, me in, put us in our best place. In the best place to be, Lord. Sometimes the circumstances might be a bit um, frightening. You, may, you might find yourself in a position that you think, Oh God, how can I go get out of this position? I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm tired of doing this. He says, Come. 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 I love you. And I will give you rest. Just abide in me. My yoke is light. He says, come. Come, my beloved, come. I'll give you rest. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you have, you have mercy on us. Thank you that we, we were sinners and you have... You have... Um, taken our sins on that cross, Lord. Thank you that as we look at you, Lord, we are washed free and we are washed clean, Lord. Thank you that you have broken all the chains that are taking us and um, keeping us away. Thank you, Father God. Yeah. Yeah, I pray that Holy Spirit will fill your heart. I pray that Holy Spirit will remind you of His love and His presence. Yeah, in the name of Jesus we pray.